<laughs> no. You don't have to. Alright, can you hear me? I can. Can you hear yourself? I can hear myself. Let's get this right. Let's get this right. Very radio right now. It's feeling very smooth. <laughs> okay. So Joe, you're Joe. <laughs> All right, and I'll I'll be Brian. <laughs> and then uh, let's just see what happens. So all right, we're in this zone now. This is happening. This is real. Joe, thank you. Cheers. Cheers. So what are we going to talk about? What are we doing here? Are what we, is this? You want to introduce the show? No. <laughs> I just want to get into it. But I suppose that's what you have to do. So um, this is the Art Fight Club podcast. It is the first of its kind. Um, and so, <laughs> so basically, okay, we are two humans that are obsessed with art and with fighting and we are two people that often are i would say feeling very alone because (laughs) because we are in the art crowd but also enjoy combat sports and that i think led us naturally to sort of where we are because I think that for us, it was like, oh my God, I can actually talk to another person about these things and then marry them perfectly to our artistic pursuits and concerns, but being so compelled by what's going on in, in martial arts and uh, the UFC and anybody that's practicing any of the, the martial arts. So anyway... If you're wondering what this is, because you're a person that may, perhaps we know, and you're just being charitable <laughs> and and listening to this, um, so basically, it's we are people that really are consumed with creativity in a lot of places, in a lot of ways, in a lot of forms, and see a parallel in art and in martial arts, and want to just talk about it. Now, what does that that mean, right? It's like uh, I don't know, Joe. <laughs> it's like we're going to have we're going to be talking to a lot of people we're going to be talking to uh we're going to be talking to practitioners in all of these realms mm-hmm. so for for uh, for firsts though we just thought okay why don't we just get in this room this is a compulsion that we're doing this thing right, right. it's a it's a reaction more than a uh, i don't know some sort of planned thing but there's something to it and we're just blindly running in case right? anyone can't tell that at this point yeah so right <laughs> in case this all sounds really but she, precise there, and well planned <laughs> i'm counting on you to stitch all this abstract together but uh but basically um it's, it's it really is something where I, I see in culture and we've talked about this a lot but it's it's like there's just not there's not um like the art of conversation is something mm. that 
not only do I not see in in the broader sphere very often, or if I do, I just very much appreciate it because it's kind of rarefied. But then also, um, not just not just necessarily with with conversation, but with uh, with with meaningful conversation and not right. 140 character utterances and all these things. So we're just we're in this kind of bifurcation period or something of culture and I see lack of empathy, I see lack of dialogue, I see lack of understanding as mm-hmm. being like a core fundamental problem in sort of culture and all the uh uh conflicts that come through all that. And so um you know, for, for me, I just feel like, wow, this is completely uncomfortable for me to just put myself out in any way. I've always sort of not hidden behind, but sort of worked through another medium or another mm-hmm. art. So, and people that don't know anything about this that might just be bored enough to be listening uh, <laughs> on our first episode. Um, like basically, uh, I, I, so I, we can, let's, let's introduce ourselves. Okay. Uh, so my name is Brian Siskind. I live in Nashville. Um, I fly drones. I make music. I write things sometimes. I have been a sort of lifelong musician and have definitely done, made a lot of records and produced stuff and done all these things. That maybe stories that are worth telling will come uh, from that over time, but not worth getting into. Basically, I'm a creative person that came about uh, sort of discovering the beauty of mixed martial arts in particular probably about five or six years ago and have been in my own world kind of reconciling these things as I kind of go through my creative pursuits and sort of getting closer to this also having met a lot of fighters you know getting closer to that world you start to just understand so many more things there's a Mm -hmm. there's an undercurrent of interest and depth to all that that we're going to be exploring for a long time Mm -hmm. I would imagine on this here program Mm -hmm. but uh but anyway so um Anyway, so that's kind of where I'm coming from. And then, uh, Joe, you're someone that I've sort of been in the orbit of or known or sort of passed through your orbit mm-hmm. many times, probably over the last 10 or years or so. Uh-huh. And uh, maybe like uh, you can you can tell folks what it is uh, that you do. Well, my I mean, like Brian, my thing is kind of uh, similar to his. And I think it's one of the things that makes our whole like creative dialogue interesting is that um, you know, we're, we're both, you know, uh, actively involved in things that are, seem, you know, like numerous and, and various and they kind of are, but at the same time, obviously you and I share this feeling of, you know, sort of like just applying creative ideas and notions to whatever medium is appropriate without really thinking about not so much coming at art through a medium, but coming at art through creativity and ideas and then and then you know okay maybe that's now i'm making films with drones and i'm doing podcasts and i'm a photographer and all these other things right that's me acting like you (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. but for in my case it's similar in the sense that i'm a performing singer songwriter i um am a i've got a photography project called the pikes project where I document uh, the Nashville's Pikes, these historic uh, 
old toll roads is what they are in Nashville. But now if you, if you live in Nashville, you know that there's all these roads named Pike. So I have this photography project that photo essays that document that. And it's also an Instagram campaign. And it's, it's ongoing. It's ongoing. It's been a couple of uh, exhibitions. Brian was in my exhibition this past May that we had at the Red Arrow in East Nashville, the best gallery in East Nashville, I might add. <laughs> and so, uh, um, uh, uh, so anyway, so yeah, so I do a bunch of stuff too. I'm also a, a critical writer um, and I've been doing some curating in the last year or so, you know, kind of a, a bit of everything, just like we talk about. I'm one of the poets uh, involved with the uh, Poetry on Demand group that is the core, basically, component of the Versify podcast, which is the new podcast on WPLN. It's right. a poetry podcast. It's like one of the raddest, you know, uh, projects to like sort of inject poetry into the conversation you know uh in a way that's hip and now and yeah. listenable to people who aren't going to go to a coffee shop on a saturday night and listen to somebody read poetry yeah um uh um which you should totally do by the way because it's pretty awesome it can be it can be great um but anyway so so that's one of the podcasts uh that i'm doing right now and now we're doing this podcast as well yeah and we're going to talk about the fight that it takes to be an artist and we're going to talk about the art that it takes to be a fighter yeah and everything in between yeah <laughs> yeah well i mean it's i have conversations a lot of this is is born for me of uh, i have conversations almost on a daily basis with people that i greatly respect that i'm lucky enough to have around in my orbit of influence or participation and and these people you know Every, everyone that I know, it seems like, has this tremendous skill or capability, but then there's also typically like a, a flip side to, or some other duality to them, like where perhaps they're known most for X thing, but man, have you checked out their uh-huh. whatever, photography or this other kind of offshoot thing for them to do? So right. I think it's there's like sort of splinters or folds to it because, um, you know, I, I think that, I, I like I said, I keep having these these conversations with people and every one of them is uh, almost it's painful sometimes to me that these insights or these kind of uh, commonalities that we reach sometimes are not reflected more broadly mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that they're like some it's not about like um nobody's trying to like uh, be a self-help kind of thing or something it's just uh-huh. more like wow like we went down this road and got to this place um you know like i was talking to uh my friend jim demain yesterday uh-huh. and we were talking about uh and so jim demain by the way is um, he's been in Nashville for probably 20, 25 years. He's, he's a photographer, right? Yes. But yeah. you know, it's funny that you say that because he's actually, um, his, he runs uh, yes master, which is one of the premier mastering houses for mastering records here in Nashville. Yeah, I didn't know that. And he's been doing it for a long time. And I met him, he mastered one of my records in, uh, like 2000. I was going to say like right around the turn, of, the turn of the millennium yeah. is when I started hearing yes, master. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, and Jim is just such a, a great guy, but we, you know, we were talking and he is a, a primarily a, a audio engineer master, right? But he's so possessed with photography and telling visual stories and documenting mm-hmm. and, and, uh, you know, he was telling me about how he, he documented, um, I suppose it was, I don't even know exactly what it was, but it was something about like some sort of music project or some sort of thing. It ends up, you know, he does it pro bono because it's just like, he just wants to do it. You know, he doesn't need to do it for money necessarily. And he just doesn't want to, he doesn't, he doesn't ever want to declare himself, um, 
like, okay, I am this, I'm stepping into this embodiment of whatever that, you know, I'm a film director or I'm a video, whatever. He just wants to just do his thing. And right. I totally understand what that feels like. And we were just sort of talking about how, uh, you're, you're fighting always like, uh, in, in, in creative, anything endeavors is that, you know, you're, you're wrestling with commerce, you're wrestling with like the truth of what you're doing. And, and sometimes the truth of what you're doing is so important that you will, it's not that you think less of what you do, but you will not bring money into it almost as a, a, a desperate means of preservation for what you're, you're actually doing and keeping that pure. Mm-hmm. And so I think uh, we just kind of went down th- those roads. And I just, again, I just keep thinking about how many people uh, I talk to that we have these kind of realizations or conversations that are super helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I think, I mean, that's what I'm hoping that the, the, that the podcast will basically be turning into is like, just sort of the insights that I've gotten, like when we, when you and I have talked about this and then, um, you know, for people who are listening to the podcast, who are, who are following combat sports, there's people like, uh, Robin black and other people who do podcasts and things like that, who analyze fighting in a way that really addresses a lot of the same themes that we will also be addressing for sure. He's like, definitely like an, an influence or somebody who kind of showed you like, there's a bigger conversation. The connectedness of it all. Yeah, yeah. You see this guy and you're like, Oh man, now see that's Robin's talking about fighting the way I want to talk about fighting. Yeah. And there's other people too. Jack Slack is fucking amazing. Right. Yeah. So, um, uh, um, but anyway, so, so I feel like, you know, we're making a more explicit connection, I think between art, like visual art, music, you know, the, the arts as we know them yeah. and martial arts. Um, uh, but I think ultimately it's it's really about that whole dialogue of how um how you know how these how this when you mix the conversation up like this in this way that's very dynamic because you're crossing this imaginary line between like athletics and art between like this brutal cage fighting sports mm. and and you know the 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 you know fine you know sensibility of the gallery and things like this you yeah know? there's it's an imaginary line I say because clearly people like you and me feel at home on either side of it and we're not the only ones we're finding out as we begin yeah. this podcast you know yeah so I feel like but nonetheless when you do cross those those you know those things together you'd create a conversation that's inevitably going to be highly informative and hopefully just very creative and dynamic in and of itself. Well, it's so. fairly meta in the sense that everything's, <laughs> everything's about dialogue, right? Everything is about, um, you know, if you're, if you're fighting, it's, your movements beget other movements or reactions yeah. and there's a connectedness Truly. or a flow to that. Right. Um, and then on the other side of it, you have, um, you know, uh, an artist that, in any many cases would uh do something to provoke or mm-hmm. incite and mm-hmm. and that is a form of some sort of dance and some sort of yeah uh, affliction for yeah. lack of a better term but yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh but you know it's like uh you know i was telling who was I, I was talking to somebody recently about how you know i think that i was talking about doing this podcast and i was saying they were sort of saying, asking like, what's it about or why, or what are you doing? And, and, uh, one of the things I wanted to sort of connotate or get out there that was this, the person that I was talking to, um, 100% wants nothing to do with anything mixed martial arts or combat sports or anything. Right. And that's so, um, 
fine and normal and good yeah. and understood and get it. I totally get it. But I cannot help but think, okay, I'm not saying this should be some sort of means of uh, some sort of gospel, some sort of conversion therapy that we subject people to, to mm-hmm. try to understand, yeah. you know, this, like, I think it's important to sort of what, like, I don't, um, I don't like violence in the, for the sake of violence, mm-hmm. you know, and these are going to be important sort of things to try to, um, buffer or put lines around in order to better, um, synthesized to sort of what we're kind of talking about because I think that people that's like the quickest way that things can get really out of context really uh, lost and I think that if anybody is sort of listening to this at this point it's like okay just give it a minute like don't it's not um, it's not about whatever you know fuck yeah fighting fuck you know whatever it's not about bro culture kind of thing there's there's something much deeper that is running through all that i think that is interesting to explore i think in general i mean i think that i mean i think that well i'd like to think here's what i'd like to think i'd like to think that culture at large you know outside of the the combat sport fan bubble or whatever which is a huge bubble i mean america loves fighting so uh, you know and i grew up in an america that loved fighting and i grew up loving fighting since i was a little kid yeah. and um uh and understanding something about what it is you know that's the other part of it is it's it's not just you know it's it's a different thing it's not rock'em sock'em robots yeah, but i'd like yeah. to say i mean you and i i, I want to point out that like i don't necessarily think you and i are are outrageously um, different from many people in our circles because I'd like to think that most people can, you know, most you know most people in a creative community could see the art in it somehow a little bit anyway get the idea it's that there's a ballet there but kind. doesn't mean you yeah. want to go yeah. sit cage side yeah yeah right? so i think i, I doubt I, I don't think yeah. I, I would be surprised i wouldn't be that surprised but i would i would like to think that I could feel surprised yeah. by a really harsh reaction, but you're saying you got a rather harsh reaction, so that's you well. Know. I wouldn't say it was harsh. It I was just definitive. Yeah, it was definitive. Just, yeah, but see, that's that's harsh to me. I mean, it's not. It doesn't have to be harsh. Yeah, but definitive to me is, is it's quick and it's troublesome yeah, because yeah. if you're if especially if you're somebody that I know in the creative community, I would expect you to have a more open mind about nearly anything but couldn't you be like (laughs) couldn't you be like look I know that you're seriously into knitting and while that's great like no also I can tell you I'm not into macrame I'm not into needlepoint I'm not into crocheting like you know what I mean like yeah like I understand how it's not totally not it's it's not hard to wholesale write something off i suppose it isn't and, <laughs> and, and some, there's something clean about that i suppose everybody's very busy and they're <laughs> right. just like i don't have any time for right we're in media fight, choice people fighting yeah, yeah it's true and it just so happens that it's like i listen to a lot of fighting podcasts yeah. all day today but you know so, so <laughs> I, well, that's what i think what would be interesting to sort of un like uh, somebody asked me about like sort of how did you like, talking about okay your earliest sort of exposure to sort of let's just pick the UFC and kind of oh, mixed yeah. martial arts, mm-hmm. you know, and like, like for me, like I said, it was, a, it wasn't, I'm not somebody that was in at UFC three or whatever. Right. You know, I was one of those where I, I would say that's not for me. And also I'm busy in a completely different realm of uh-huh. whatever, which kind of is probably why people can easily write it off. Right. It makes sense. But, um, but I was not seeing it then, but that was obviously when it was a little different. There was, there was no rules. There was no, 
um, there was it was for the sake of crazy kind of stuff, right? As opposed right. to like a slightly more formalized and with some sort of governance type of thing. So anyway, it wasn't until much later when I saw, and then it was like, oh, okay, this looks cleaned up. This looks like this is it's not back room. It's not right whatever uh so you know i'm sort of giving it a shot to look at and one of the first fights so, actually i remember seeing yeah i was gonna say what, so what year i mean or at least what I, time are you talking about or i gotta or, remember just tell me to tell us so, the fight and we can figure it out yeah yeah it's so, important to like put a dot on it and say, i can tell you exactly what it this was is how that far back it, we're so, talking about. <laughs> i gotta i gotta look this up so uh i want to look it up before i even say okay so okay i'm not getting i'm getting a million videos okay so the the fight that really turned my head around was Daniel Cormier against Bigfoot Silva. I don't know when that is. So that was um, I want to say twenty twelve, maybe no, further back than that. Well, yeah, like twenty eleven, twenty twelve. Uh huh. Um, yeah, Daniel Cormier against Bigfoot Silva because is here's the funny thing about it is that the the absurd thing to me about the early ufc that i just could not even get into at all was the fact that it was these sort of caricatures of situations you know the huge guy against right. the tiny guy and like there was just yeah. or whatever these sort of um you know sort of freak shows right freak show fights and and so i just had that sort of memory of that however for whatever reason here I am in the future in 2012 and I'm watching Daniel Cormier against uh, Big, uh, Antonio Bigfoot Silva. Uh-huh. And so for anybody that doesn't know, I mean, Daniel Cormier is uh, a not very tall, kind of stout, right? Um, heavyweight or light heavyweight. Yeah. Um, Olympic wrestler. Olympic wrestler. So he's the, the kind of wrestling you see every four summers on television. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Traditional American, the high school wrestling. Yeah. You guys have pretty much that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, and so, yeah. and, and I didn't even understand to even that context or level or right. had no idea how wrestling was so uh, critical to the MMA game. Yeah. I had no, like all those kind of interrelationships. I had not even begun to yeah, understand. No, it takes so a while. So, but I was watching uh, Bigfoot Silva and it was, it was almost a caricature type fight because Big, Bigfoot Silva is just massively tall. He's got like, what is it called? Like giantism yeah, or whatever yeah. it is where he's, he's got just a massively yeah. uh, large jaw and mm-hmm. sort of different and incredible cranium thing going on. Guy. Huh? Huge tall guy. Yeah. Like he's big. Like yeah. he's a tower over Daniel Cormier. Yeah. So to you see know? them, to see them fighting, it was, yeah. so I, so that was the irony is that I didn't I dismissed it before because it was kind of a freak show but here it is now looking in a slightly more cleaned up arena but right. slightly freak show-ish but Daniel <laughs> Cormier tossed him around like like he was nothing right picked him up over his head yeah. I, you know and it was like oh <laughs> like te- technique yeah matters there's these okay so what is that technique right. and what is he and so immediately I was off into running about like how can I understand how I saw this happen live on television and it doesn't seem like it makes physical right. sense. These guys were both plenty well in the same weight class or whatever. It wasn't, yeah. you know, like a, some, it wasn't a freak show fight. So anyway, so that was, that was the point for me yeah. where I started paying attention and, and that was even back when, yeah, that was like, I guess when Misha Tate was champion in strike force and, mm-hmm. you know, women's MMA had very, like the, just started. Yeah. Just, yeah. just, just started. They barely had a division really. Um, and Ronda was coming on at that point, you know, Ronda Rousey. So, Anyway, but not trying to go down the wormhole of that entirely, but that was my sort of 
wholesale uh-huh. introduction into what is going on and and then it being of interest and then and what a what a like what an incredible gift right because to be able to understand what of all fighters right to understand daniel cormier at that stage and then be locked on to him as like my first sort of uh fighter that i knew and what he was doing i wonder how what, he, what is he doing in his next fight you know right. or whatever and so i start you know and then he makes it to the ufc and then you know, of course you know now he's champion sure and it's, to watch his whole journey has been really enlightening and i think runs back to sort of like what what um keeps coming back to me is the the storytelling and the the narrative and the hero's journey and there's some there's some sort of like almost like a golden mean of uh narrative or something that i keep seeing in in all these these worlds between um uh you know anything creative and and uh and and fighting which is also obviously right creative and then i'll tell you what too like for me man just meeting some fighters mm-hmm. and just be, having enough time to just sit and talk to them at any point is uh, really something because it's, right. you realize, holy shit, like these people are made of this drive and this compulsion and right. this desire and and in this discipline, no matter how unwieldy the character, no matter how they might say things that are like, okay, why is he talking shit? Or he just seems right. like, like this doesn't seem like a uh, professional or like whatever. Right. But the, the nuts and bolts of what's going on is like, holy shit, these people are die hard committed to this uh, training right. and to this discipline. And so for anyone to uh, uh, have gone through a lot of struggles yourself and never, you know, as an artist, it's built in that you don't feel very good about what you're doing right now. <laughs> or like whatever. <laughs> you know, it's like part of the deal. So it's just nice to see people fighting in such an incredibly volatile situation an actual cage fight and these people are the same like even you know george st pierre is coming back right now after four years out ran the table for what 10 title fights 12 Uh eight i don't know what it was a lot and and he is scared to death of fighting you know you see this Mm -hmm. on you know it's like he says in the in the locker room before i'm just freaking out and i'm just talking to myself about why did i do this this is the stupidest thing i've ever done yeah how like, i'm not going out there like this is fucking crazy right what am i doing and so yeah. that's the, once you hear stories like that and you hear um the best in the world saying things like that of the right now yeah then it's like okay wait a minute yeah so and then but he that's what's so great about this <laughs> thing that Robin Black did we can talk about more but yeah. uh, the piece that Robin Black did on GSP um, it really gets into the, you know it's called the mind of GSP it's mm. it's exactly that and anybody that's an artist would wholly and completely identify with the struggles that he's going through mm. but it's just manifested in this different form so I'm just interested in like the, the elemental underpinnings of of the commonalities of these worlds. Uh huh. Yeah. No, I think, uh, I think, you know, going back to what you were saying a second ago about the story and all that and the narrative, I think that's a huge, it's that, I mean, within the, how do you put this? But like within the promotion of fighting. Okay. And really, honestly, this is where, you know, this is probably the place where 
the probably the only place where I love uh, professional wrestling at this point. Like when I was a little kid, I thought professional wrestling was pretty great. But, yeah, yeah. But then I was not a child anymore, and also it wasn't just that. It's a professional wrestling got a lot worse. I mean, it's terrible, folks. Believe me, <laughs> it used to be amazing, but it took this really kind of perverse, weird turn that I just they totally lost me. Plus, again, plus I was you know I aged, aged out. Yeah, I was in yeah. high school and I didn't have time to watch this on the weekends anymore. <laughs> but um, uh, but it was good there. For a while, but the thing I've really come to appreciate about it, and the thing that I like even more in like lucha wrestling, right? And you see, like uh, uh, to me, like the the like luchador stuff is like you've got. So explain that. What yeah, is what is that? Like Mexican wrestling with the masks and everything, yeah, right? Right. Yeah. So there's a there's a, a show on the El Rey Network, right? That's like mm-hmm. Robert Rodriguez's the di- film director, his cable network mm. where they basically have this uh, like they're one of their biggest hits is this this uh this lucha wrestling show right um and I, can I, we get that channel uh, i don't we, i don't get it with my with my playstation but you can see a lot of it on youtube and stuff and it's even i mean i think there's something about the fact that you're you're dealing with a lot of spanish language stuff that it's like it's i think it's even more interesting to me because it just it i'm sure it's exactly the same stuff that that's that i would hear in a wwe broadcast but you're just sort but, of it becomes this abstract yeah and, like I a texture. Just, yeah, and it yeah. just becomes like such a it just becomes this 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 I gotta see this. colorful dynamic thing and yeah. it's also too those guys tend to be um like those wrestlers it seems like they like those guys are, it's almost like watching uh, like, uh, like say, uh, welterweights or uh, middleweights or something in the UFC versus 170. watching heavyweights. Yeah. yeah, and you're seeing like just this outrageous acrobatic, you know, capabilities of oh, these wow. guys and stuff. But anyway, but here, so you're the, saying like here are the flavors that they get much bigger. They're, it's about yeah, they're yeah. huge, oh, yeah. uh, you know, uh, superhuman superheroes, and those guys are also incredibly athletic and strong and flexible and everything else. But they're not as not as dynamic as it is when yeah, the, when the guys are smaller. of movement. Yeah. And- and that's yeah. that's what I mean when it comes to any combat sport. It's like I want to see like I want to see welterweights, man. I want to see lightweights. I want to see featherweights. Optimized see, physical yeah, forms yeah. at optimal, like relative yeah. to gravity and yeah. physics and yeah, the yeah, size yeah. of a cage. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. that's although, a, yeah, although, like, I mean at the same time too. I mean like when you have, I mean we've gotten like since Ali like heavyweight boxing. It, I mean, there's been massive, just huge mammoth guys up there still, but but you also have guys like you know Anthony Joshua, who's like an incredibly athletic guy, you know what I mean, and dynamic boxer, you yeah. know what I mean. So so we get it, and, and our own Stipe Miocic at the UFC is definitely. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, for a heavyweight fighter, he's not the guy who, at the end of the first round, it's like, well, the fight's pretty much over now because these guys are exhausted. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, kind of, it's, it's similar to sort of like how like football in the seventies and eighties, a linebacker was yeah. a totally different beast totally. than what a linebacker is now in terms yeah, of like um, whatever sort of length and yeah. speed and yeah. all these things. I don't really watch a lot of football, but I know enough <laughs> to know that that's right. kind of where it's gone. Right. Um, One thing I yeah. wanted to say is I, I'm going back to the wrestling thing. I don't think I yeah. ever, I just kept talking about fucking wrestling, but, um, uh, but in professional wrestling in general, I think they, they own the art of the story and the character and all that stuff. Yeah. And Interesting. I mean, yeah. And there's a guy named just, I know you know this, but for anybody who might not, there's a guy named Rory McDonald, who was a Canadian fighter who had some of the most memorable performances ever in the UFC. Yeah. Who's a God among men. And one of the great, Heroes of contemporary and a martial total arts, total weirdo, and a complete weirdo, <laughs> like a bona fide, not, not a contrived, yeah. like no. sort of concocted weirdo, no. a legit <laughs> and super, like super educated, super articulate, yeah, very conversant, yeah, freak, 
Yeah. In the best way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For I have sure. no beef, right? For like, yeah, it's sure. just like, oh. But he talks but about. But it's confusing sometimes. One of the, he, he left the UFC promotion for another promotion called Bellator. I know many of us know this. Many of us know nothing about this. So I have to lay some, lay some groundwork in here to keep everybody on the same page. But uh, one of the reasons he likes the Bellator thing is because the Bellator thing really lets the fighters be more like professional wrestlers. It's yeah. like, sort of like, you want to wear this weird costume when you come to the ring? Yes, please do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know? Can be themselves. Yeah. And Meanwhile, have, the UFC you know, has gone, yeah. uh, on, unfortunately, beyond that yeah. for the yeah. sake they, of... They, it's yeah. almost like they have uniforms, and that yeah. was part of mainstreaming the sport. Yeah. And But I'm hoping that the UFC has some things coming up soon, like they're renegotiating their television deal and things like that are going on. Yeah. And I'm hoping with that, they will no longer have this uniform anymore. And they'll realize that it's like... If you want stars, you have to have characters. And if you want characters, yeah. you got to let these people be no, themselves. No, it totally makes sense because, and you know, we're going to be sometimes in the clouds in terms of conversations that we're having where I think depending on, <laughs> so, but I'm just going to go there. So yeah. with respect to, to the UFC and what's happening right now, and, and then uh, uh, obviously their new corporate uh, sort of, they're corporate now. They're not, they're not, uh, they're not the, the, the scrappy fratitas, <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, Dana's checked out. Da, da da da. So so basically, what I think is interesting is that they did all the. It's like they cleaned up the house to sell it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we never had a white picket fence, but we threw one up real fast. Yeah, that's called like USADA, right? right? And, then, yeah. and then you know, just yeah. getting those basic, curb appeal, right? So like, that's right. Four billion dollars worth of curb appeal. That's exactly right. <laughs> and then they've unloaded that, and then would they, you know, if Dana's checked out, you know, which t- of all would I Jesus who's worked harder than that guy yeah. so like check out completely man like <laughs> yeah, whatever no, totally yeah. he's got like, at least like five years of just being completely checked out yeah that he's more than he welcome needs to, to check out of checking <laughs> out <laughs> but yeah. Uh, but yeah like so but anyway I guess my point is just I think that it's interesting that they they cleaned up the house uh, for the big investment and then after the investment um the things that actually organically built the house need to be put in place again, but just at scale. Yeah. So that, so that they can no, kind of, I think that's perfect. Think yeah, that's exactly. Right. And so, it, you know, and then you've got Connor wanting steak and you got all these things going on. So it's like, anyway, so, um, yeah, those are the tree branches of UFC current <laughs> events right now. But you see, that'll be part of the show. Every be- <laughs> UFC current events. And we probably won't spend much time on that. Actually, well, but we have know, to talk about it because it, it's important for the context. I yeah. So, so okay. So when when you, when you say that you are, are a writer and then you are also a song writer. Oh wow. So how? <laughs> what would you consider your dominant writer? Well, I'm glad you asked me that question because uh, what I really want to tell you is that, um, you know, even though I do all these, because I didn't make a very, I didn't, it's hard to explain this in a way because I think we're still breaking through to the present. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And in my universe, which I consider to be the present, um, uh, we are, we are beyond the time of the, um, the specialist yeah. that that was yeah. required at the turn of the yeah. last century yep. to to uh, bring the brain power that was necessary for the industrial revolution. Now we're we're awash in a new sea of information, yeah. and and uh, and now we are in the time of more of the generalist. And um, 
so I consider myself, I use this word that I stole from the fluxus movement. Okay. So, you know, like Yoko Ono is a fluxus artist. Okay. So there's this movement that's happening. Like, I believe technically it's like late fifties into the early seventies, basically. Um, and, uh, um, they had a term called intermedia that they would use to describe things like performance art before they had the word performance art. Yeah. Right. So this girl's doing this crazy thing where she's like reciting a poem and also doing this weird dance in a store window or something. And they'd be like, well, that's intermedia. It's sort of dramatic, but it's also a dance thing and it's a yeah. poetic recital. It, we'll just call it intermedia. Well, anyway, of course we came up with real words that we now codify these things with yeah yeah so we don't call things intermedia anymore which is why we i just call them marina abramovich and call it a day. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. but i like this term intermedia yeah. um and so i now use that term not so much because i feel like i'm actually doing these in-between kind of projects but because i feel like i am an in-between kind of artist i feel like i'm yeah. absolutely a singer-songwriter yeah who is living in a place like Nashville, Tennessee and throw in the fastball as hard as I can. You yeah. Know? But I also want to write poetry and I also want to take these photographs and I've come to understand that one is it, not a crime against the other. Yeah. <laughs> right? And just that, that for me, it's like my, my, my creative impulse is just bigger than just being a songwriter or just being a poet. Like, and and one of the best things I realized was I, I'm always I've always uh, respected productivity. Yeah. When it comes to everything, if you're doing a thing, show me that you're doing a lot of it. You know, mm -hmm. or I don't believe you're actually doing it. You yeah. know what I mean? So to me, it's like it's required to yeah. be productive. And for me, I just realized that I could be a very productive, creative person if I divided my attention, which everybody was telling me I shouldn't do. Mm. But they were all wrong. Mm. Everybody was wrong. Mm. And I didn't listen to them because... Because I, I branched Did out. Did you know they were wrong? And or was it just something as, you eventually figured yeah, out? Yeah, but yeah. as soon the first time I made a little branch out and sort of allowed myself mm. to do something else with the same passion that I was songwriting with or whatever, mm. then all of a sudden it was just like, I realized that I'm doing both of these better now. You know what I mean? And then I thought, well, what else am I interested in? And and it just keeps working that way. You yeah. know what I mean? So Or or, or it's almost like if you if you... Just give yourself no governance, right? And just run around like a child, and with yeah. that kind of innocence, yeah. At any blinky light or thing right. that compels you, whatever it yeah, is, yeah, yeah. and just not think twice about how that synthesizes to yeah. an identity and a five-year fucking well, plan in your yeah, life yeah, yeah. or whatever. The f yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It's, well, I think there's something about like there's something about the confusion that it creates yeah. that you don't get hung up on your identity as the thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. I will add, yeah, I'm this thing and now all of a sudden it's real easy for ego to slip in there. But when you're not anything, I think it's a lot it's a lot you're you're sort of so you're sort of moving between things so quickly that you don't identify with them as an individual so much. And, and therefore the, you don't have the, you, I have, I seem to have a less ego problem with, with being dynamic and changing and mm -hmm. learning and moving and growing. But, but that's hard though, you know? right? Because I would imagine at least it's like, so I would say I fully identify with that in terms mm -hmm. of being like on some weird Sorry, carousel, carousel of activity yeah. um, that I'm hoping stitches together into something that starts yeah. to make a pattern, like almost like a Mandelbrot set. It's yeah. almost like through enough iterations. And that's kind of right. what you're talking about as far as like being productive. Yeah. You know, if, if, 
I think that's about iterations. And, and, and so if, even if you're doing a lot of seemingly disparate things, if you do that in series and repeated series of, of coordinated sort of, uh, action in, you know, with whatever, in in whatever medium or whatever these things are, you just run that circuit that you've sort of developed, then I think that what happens is you get to a point where patterns start to form and there starts to be a larger picture that becomes available to you that would not have occurred um, if you had only pursued one medium and just been like, man, I can't write that song. <laughs> you know, right? Yeah. I just haven't written that that poem or, or whatever. It, it, to me, with me, like in terms of using cameras, flying cameras... Um, being a drummer, a beat maker, kind of samplist, avant-garde noise person that's right. also played on a bunch of drums on a bunch of record, whatever kind yeah. of things, you know, whatever, playing drums. Uh, label like label thing. runner. La- yeah, all the things, you know. And here's the thing, by the way, like when you mentioned that, it makes me realize like, oh, and also you will do th- some things not as well as others, you know, as far yeah. as just like, yeah. but that's okay because you're you're giving yourself like a, <clears throat> this is getting right to the, I'm, I'm kind of moving fast here, but the f- I'm consumed with the notion of the flow state. And I think that yeah. that's all I'm trying to get to. I want to be in a flow state every day as constantly as possible in sort of an asynchronous, harmonious kind of <laughs> place. I want every day to be one of those days where it, it turns like 9.30 p.m. and you're like, holy shit. <clears throat> you know, I can't believe it is 9.30. I haven't even looked at a clock. You know, I've just been consumed. Like, I just want every day to be like that in a good way. You know, like, right. I, like I was in the zone. Right. And so when I think about flow state and, and you're doing sort of looking at like what conditions are necessary to sort of achieve flow state and for anybody that wants just like an everyday example of flow state, I mean, everybody's had, everybody said, man, I was in the zone, you know, yeah. or, um, you know, Michael Jordan talking about, man, the basket just seemed like it was just this big and, yeah, you know, I, I just couldn't miss and I, everything was in slow motion and, right. you know, whatever, whatever that whole jive is, that flow state thing, that is the goal, that is the end game to me, that's all I'm concerned with. And I do plenty of things to interrupt that or cause problems with that. <laughs> but it doesn't mean I don't want or desire that or at least aim towards it. Yeah. Um, but basically, my, I guess my point is just that, that uh, you know, with, with one of the key ingredients of flow state is getting immediate feedback. And so that's one that's not intuitive to me that when I sort of learned that I was like, oh, so like that's why uh, gamification and uh, basic kind of competitive things work really well or whatever because it, it's it's it by being scored or having critical feedback or whatever it is in whatever realm you're in in whatever way that you can get that feedback to to manifest and refract back at you so that you can respond that is that is a, an exchange of of energy and directionality that i think is really uh challenging and interesting and to get back to sort of like a, f- a quick fight parallel, like I think that when it, when I see two people in a cage trying to solve the problem that the other is posing and creating kinetic movements that then formulate uh, um, these responses, and and there's the, there's a, there's this uh, sort of symphonic kind of interaction that's happening. <clears throat> you know, I think it's uh, it, it that is all based in. 
every 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 counter punch or every threat of a counter punch is a form of immediate feedback and the collage or multiple instances or iterations of getting that feedback that almost like the tighter the the iterations of that can be and that feedback mechanism be then it's then you're you're that's acceleration to flow state sort of uh, mentality or, or or way or place of of mind and so yeah uh anyway so yeah, that's what I'm talking about now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We talk about like quality of attention. You know what I mean? And yeah, it's yeah. like it's it's definitely you know I like I say it's it seems counterintuitive, but I really do feel like the giving letting when I was about 25 is when I sort of let myself write some poems with intent. You know, and I mean, I had been doing creative writing since I was in middle school, for God's sakes, like mm. all through college and everything else. So it's like I'd done plenty of creative writing and, and along the way you're doing plenty of poetry writing because of that. If you're like one of the creative writing kids in your high school, then at some point the next class is poetry and you take it. But poetry was never really my thing. I always did okay at it and I always felt good about it, but it, I never felt comfortable with it and I always felt... So you phoned it, it in with haikus. I did. I did my best. I really, honestly, I did my best to sort of emulate what other people around me were clearly doing. You know, like my classmates were doing. I, I had classmates who poetry was their thing, yeah. and it was there was a reason why, and they were right. It was their thing. You know what I mean? So I tried to emulate them a little bit. But by the time I was twenty five, I just if that's a, a whole huge long story. But but anyway, right around then I sort of gave myself a friend of mine who had seen all these notebooks that I wrote in said, this is like a poem. And I'm like, well, it's not really a poem. That's just random writing that I'm doing when I'm sitting down trying to write a song. I'll just start writing and maybe I have a guitar. Maybe I don't, maybe I have a piano. Like maybe anything I don't. not written in AP style is just inherently yeah. a poem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, basically I'm just sitting down here writing anything. I just literally, I'm just letting myself write whatever I'm writing right now, mm. hoping that I'll come across something and I'll be like, Oh, okay. Oh, here we go. Here's the story or here's the thing. Here's the image. That's here's my thing. Now I'm going to write this song about this. You know what I mean? So, um, but anyway, but she's like, well, this is like a poem though. And I'm like, it's not a poem though. It's just, just random stuff. And she's like, you should like write poetry. You should like let yourself write poetry. So eventually let I your, let, let I, yourself. Yeah. yeah. So eventually I did. And, um, cause well, she could, she could tell that it was like, you're already kind of doing it. You just aren't recognizing it for what it is. Yeah. So what you must be getting in your own way, because it's right there, you know? So anyway, so I sort of just like allowed myself to start doing that with more intention and um, uh, and that was the beginning of everything and I really honestly I felt like a certain like huge momentum came from that and I feel like I'm still like riding the waves of that all the do you think that, that was kind of like almost more just a broader decision or swath of a notion to sort of say I am an artist yeah and to sort of let yeah. yourself have that like yeah. as much as that seems so dickish and yeah. profane and and presumptuous well it's everything it is and i like i like that it's presumptuous but i also like that it's uh you know to the degree that it's ridiculous to say that uh i kind of like the ridiculousness of it and i and i think you can laugh at that in a way that helps you discharge it so you can get back to work (laughs) you know what i mean um at the same time i think that when when people and you know, and I have a certain idea of what what I consider an artist to be. And basically, an artist to me, a real artist, is somebody who can't stop making work and will do whatever they need to do with their day to day life 
to make sure that they get to keep yes, making work. But, yes, but you know what? Sucks until they about die, that? right? But you know what? <laughs> That's what an artist is. But you know what? If really you're not doing that, then I don't know if you're an artist. I know that you're creative, but are you an artist? Right. And so then, <laughs> then you're you're invariably um, sort of treated as. Oh, that's your hobby. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I hate that because it's so reductive. Not because I feel like yeah. it needs to be perceived as professional or... Right. I don't need professional acumen or acknowledgement yeah. to, to know that what I'm doing is worth doing or well, whatever. Yeah. But, yeah. But, but, but basically just, holy shit, like that's the worst... <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I think luckily in a place like Nashville, and hopefully if, if somebody's listening from outside of Nashville, you live in a community and if you're doing these kinds of things where, you know, you, you know the people who are like this because you're like this and you've gotten lucky enough to find yeah. the others yeah. and and all of them know what it is because all of them are doing whatever they got to do you yeah. know to make sure my, I can get my zine out again next month yeah. or to make sure that my band has a, a heater because the winter's coming and we got to practice in my garage yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> wow you just went through <laughs> age 19 to 22 <laughs> of my life yeah, there we go that was amazing <laughs> okay, I didn't realize this was going to be like this man no but it's, it, it is true like I mean I remember I'm just, in the flow I, state man. <laughs> I'm, I see all <laughs> the basket is huge <laughs> no but but for me I, I swear you just nailed it because yes renting a stored space for like your metal band or like whatever you know <laughs> yeah. it's like holy shit like I, I really appreciate it and uh, whenever I see young people scrapping you know and hustling you know, and I say young people, okay, I'm in my mid, I'm 45, you know, so some people would say, you look so young, Brian. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. All the smoking has like sort of preserved me, <laughs> but uh, no, but, uh, but basically, um, you know, that, that I got, so I had, I didn't start playing drums until I was 19. And it was one of those things where people just said, you should, you should totally play drums. You whatever. And I was like, ah, and I, I, when I got my first apartment, I decided, okay, I'm also going to get my first drum kit and see what happens. So you hear, like, I'm talking about an apartment, yeah, and a drum kit. You know, right. where this is going. Yeah. <laughs> What's gonna happen when it, I no? Set and here's up the thing is, it was it was in the apartment building. <laughs> and here's the thing is, it was it was it was um it was an old it was a neighborhood. It was an, it wasn't like an apartment building. Um, it was a house that was a large house. Oh sure, yeah, old, yeah. like sort of twenties house. In, I lived in that house. That was split up in a, <laughs> right in, yeah. a, in quadrants, like the two upstairs in the nineties. Yeah, or yeah, early early nineties. Is this in Nashville? No, this is in Winston Salem, North oh, okay. Carolina. And, uh, and just, um, we had, we had a place over in this area called West End, which is not too different from West End in Nashville, strangely uh-huh. enough, which is like same era of houses, like this, you know, central, like anyway, so it was not a, you know, not a great idea to have a drum kit in there, but right. I would play and, and, uh, I didn't know, you know, I didn't know how to play quiet. I didn't even know how to play. So, <laughs> it's so, hard to play quiet. People who don't play I music, thought that I was it's, doing it's a harder really nice to play thing. quiet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, was, I thought I was doing a really nice thing because I was playing during the day. Mm-hmm. But apparently that wasn't conciliatory enough for those who lived within a quarter mile to a half a mile of my apartment. That's ridiculous. Absurd. And so, um, but here's the thing is I remember, so 
uh, I remember we were playing, me and a friend of mine who played bass, we were playing just whatever, probably like some helmet riffs or something or Jesus <laughs> lizard or something. <laughs> and, and, uh, something that wasn't quiet and delicate. And, uh, I remember hearing all this racket and I was like, what is it? And I stopped playing and somebody was banging on the front door really loud and it's like four in the afternoon. I'm like, what is going on? Somebody's beating the door down basically. And I go and I, I open the door and the person was already storming off. And I looked and there was a on stuck to the door was the eviction notice. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was like right out of a movie. Like, cause when you see people get evicted in movies, you, you don't think like you, you think, okay, they got evicted because they're just trying to set up that up in the plot. But that's not how people get evicted. It's a different, yeah. it doesn't look and feel like that. It's not like you just swing open the front door and then there's your eviction notice. Yeah. You know, but that's kind of how it happened. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, anyway, I'm not sure what got me down that tangent. But basically, yes, got evicted from my first apartment for playing drums. Yeah. I'm, you know, definitely one of those people that that was, that came in kind of scrappy and, and wasn't really sure what I could yeah. even, it wasn't even necessarily like, like what I was good at. It was like, what could I even do that was passable as yeah. being like a facsimile yeah. of an example of something that might be considered music ish. Yeah. Like that's, that was the loftiest of music uh, aspiration that I ever had was like, man, if I could ever play a show and no one find me out as being an imposter yeah. uh, or sort of hack, <laughs> you know, that, that, that was it. And then, you know, and then it was strange because then I found myself nine months into having started playing drums opening up in this like i was in this crazy fusion band or whatever that had way too many complicated songs with too long of songs and we ended up uh <laughs> opening for the dixie dregs oh whoa and so that was like they were sort of like a neo southern rock band in the 90s does it sound right yeah but like <laughs> but like every each each band member wrote probably a column in each of their respective instrument magazines like i'm sure that oh, really? you know what i mean it's like they were all like those guys right uh-huh. like they were all like the musician magazine or whatever the modern drummer then it was like rod morgenstein and then you oh, know like all they were all, it was like the top flight musicians you know doing this kind of like instrumental thing like we're we're out from the, sh- the the lowly shroud of our hair bands that sing ballads bands that uh, we're in now we're gonna really rock kind of yeah, thing you know okay. and so <laughs> yeah. I mean I, would, I say that they, were, they actually did some pretty really they did some really cool stuff it was yeah. an, at the time it was a huge honor and and I was fish out of water it was like, yeah. you know but it went great so anyway but the long story is that um, you know when when you see young people just being scrappy and putting themselves out there it's just the most satisfying thing, you know, like when you see people just really leaning into whatever they're doing and figuring it out. Yeah. Uh, and so, and I feel like the, I'm not sure if that's less happening less now or more now, or if it's easier or harder, I, I don't even really right. know like what it's like for yeah, oh, people yeah. that age. I have no idea either. Um, but in terms of like, you know, just striking out and, and doing something and, you know, just, uh, just insisting on your, your force of presence to get you through. Uh, I think that what we're doing right now, Brian, is an example of that. <laughs> That's right. In case it wasn't clear, dear listeners, we don't know what we're doing. Yeah. We're just talking. So, yeah. uh, but coming up in the next couple of weeks, like our plan is that every week we'll be here talking about fighting and about art. And we are also going to have guests regularly, like pretty much every time. Right? Yeah. That's the plan. We have some great, uh, v- very ambitious, 
uh, guest goals. And so the way that we get to the point where those things can happen is if people are even vaguely enthusiastic about what we're doing so far, <laughs> but no, it's, it's going to be a long road. And that's what I, that's what I like about it. I just, I just can't, I, I just think what a great excuse to have amazing people doing amazing things across from you to be able to pick their brain, have a conversation, figure out what's going on. I'm excited just because I, the other day I put a, um, uh, uh, Facebook status update on my page. And I just said, because uh, I'm, you know, I know a ton of people in the art and music community here in Nashville. And I just said, do you know somebody who's an artist who also is, you know, involved in or has an interest in uh, martial arts like currently? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, uh, it doesn't have to be that current. Um, if everybody's listening and you know somebody like this, definitely get a hold of us. We'll give you all the information by the time this thing's over. But, um, uh, but I got a ton of responses from lots of people that, you know, that put me in touch with people or told me that they're like, Oh yeah. Uh, did you know that I have a black belt? <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And it's like, it's pretty interesting that, that and it's, it's cool that we're doing this because it, I I've already realized that we're going to hook up to a greater community here in Nashville where it's like, we are not alone. Like there's a bunch of people who yeah. are super creative, interesting folks yeah. who also understand the the beauty of a good head from, kick. Yeah, and, <laughs> and from all different positions and ways. Because like I, I'm I'm not I, I don't train. I'm not against training, but I I am not a trained martial artist. I don't. Right. You know, I I I appreciate the perspective the perspective that I have because uh, it's it's fairly ob- objective and it's all new to me still. Right. And to see how, uh, you know, like, it, it, when I, th- when I think about the, the gap in my knowledge to the knowledge of people that are really running the MMA, like sort of media game now and journalists mm-hmm. and these types of people and, you know, how deep they can get now with, with, uh, their understanding of, I mean, somebody like Eric Helwani is like a hero to me, you know, sure. uh, I just love that dude. And I just think that he's so authentic and, mm-hmm. and he, um, he breaks it down in a way that is so, um, without ego and so yeah. uh, humble and he's not someone that trains. So I, you know, I think about people like that where I, I, I get, I get excited about the idea that people, there's there's so many others that get so much enjoyment out of watching it, sure. But also get so much from it as as far as uh, what they can apply into their craft or their art or whatever right. it is that they're doing or just the way that they're living or or it could just be something about health or you know any number of things. But when I see people like uh, Hawani, it's it's like uh, man, you know that is that's the sweet spot like, because. You know, I I know that I'm probably never going to uh, be a fighter, right? Mm-hmm. There, I, there's certain things I know I'll never be good at, like um, hang gliding. Like I'll just let that go now, or whatever. You know, <laughs> like I'm just gonna. Just, you can totally hang glide. I could, but like I guess I was thinking about if I, now I have like lists. I suppose <laughs> it's just nowhere on the list. Yeah, right, right. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so uh, so you know, I think about that, and so I I think that to me that that is the 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 greatest reward that we could have from doing anything that we're doing here now, other than just honestly giving me an excuse to have people in here to, you know, for us to be able to have people in here and, and talk to them. Yeah. You know, I, I, some of the best conversations of my life have been with people that are absolute experts in their realms and talking to them about anything but their realm. Right. And, and getting, getting into that, you know, um, 
you know, the thing I always remember that's an example of that is uh, uh, just a quick little conversation that I had with Elvin Jones about baseball. Mm-hmm. And I don't even really the care. The great jazz drummer, Elvin Jones. Right. Played with John Coltrane. Yeah. And the, you know, was and you just talked about force. baseball that's awesome yeah like yeah <laughs> um so you know i don't know i just i think that i think that um anything where there's sort of seemingly uh colliding forces at work or um things that don't relate you know to me those are actually reasons to whenever i feel that way whenever i feel like something is really abject or atonal or asymmetrical or whatever you know like yeah. I, I just feel like something's really off mm-hmm. about some combination of elements whatever it is whenever i just i just have this kind of trained sensibility in my mind of like always take pause when i sense that because that means possibly i'm not paying enough attention mm-hmm. and that there's actually because if it, if it if it gets that kind of response if it, if, if it grabs you in a way that feels really n- negative or, or sort of uh confrontational don't just take that at face value and then and then let that kind of rule your greater uh, uh, opinion of whatever that impulse or thing is. So same thing for people that are just knee jerk, like, nope, fighting, give me a break. Not Mm. interested, never. It's bad, it's blood sport, it's violence. It's, you know, so how how would you address directly? Like, okay, how about this? How about what kind of conversations do you have? I find myself having conversations all the time with people that are not into fighting, but are massively interested in why I'm interested in fighting because I don't seem like someone who is interested in fighting. Yeah. So you don't fit the stereotype. But what is that? Right. Like, what is that? Like, I'm no, it's silly. It's totally silly. I mean, I think one of the things that we'll do with this podcast is we'll, we'll show how silly all that really is, Mm. you know? And I should also, let me just back up really quick and, and mention that when I said, you know, that I put out this call and we had so many people respond who are, you know, creative people in the creative world who also have a background or a current, involved in martial arts or whatever um but just to make it clear like we're interested in talking to lots of people you know what i mean and if you're interested in talking about art and fighting we're interested in talking to you <laughs> so yeah so and if you're if you're interested in talking about things you don't know anything about we'd yeah. love to talk to you about fighting or art <laughs> yeah i think it'll it'll definitely be something so where it's going to be pretty wide open in terms of our guests yeah, because we will have fighters yeah. in here. Yeah, and and so that's going to be a, yeah. a fairly fighter heavy conversation. Right, right, right. And then uh, yeah, when we have someone who's uh, you know a painter that has not right that's not also not also punching people. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then you'll have that. But but yeah, it's all about sort of it'll yeah. be both. Yeah, and that's that's another thing too. Let me tell the, like a little bit about like my background is that. I grew up just watching fighting like we were just talking about. I don't think I even said like my introduction to the UFC. I never even got to that earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My introduction to the UFC was seeing the first series of The Ultimate Fighter when it first debuted, right? Uh So for people who don't know the background on that, the UFC was essentially failing, about to go under... Uh, Dana White, the president, comes up with this idea, probably others involved too, but they say, what if we put together a reality TV show that shows people who these guys are and also illuminates how the sport works and why it's this athletic competition of the highest level and not just a fucking tough man contest? Yeah. You know, why don't we show that to them 
and they basically buy a chunk of time on the Spike Network. They yeah. don't even have a show scheduled on it. They just buy the network time. All of their all of their, their chips on the yeah, table and plug the yeah. show they created. Like if that hadn't worked, what would yeah. have happened? Right? No, it would have been it would have been the end of it. Yeah. But this he throws this hail mary pass, and people like me were clearly sitting ducks for it. And I, as soon as I saw that, I was like what the hell is this? This is crazy, right? And then I started watching it and I was immediately hooked on it because when I was a little kid, my dad uh, was a judo player when, when we were little kids. And then when we were older, he hadn't done judo in years, but I knew that he knew judo. And so he would teach us judo in the backyard and he had a small library of martial arts books that I would just look at all the time as like a child. You know, like I'm like, probably 10, eight, nine or 10. That's like, awesome. When we're out in the backyard doing judo and I'm looking at all these books, French savat foot fighting book and all this kind of crazy stuff. Foot fighting. Yeah, it's crazy. So, so I learned a little bit about that. And then, you know, really martial arts in America became extremely mainstream when I was a little kid in the eighties, because you're right after the explosion of Bruce Lee as an yeah. international star, yeah. even though I was too young to really bigger than Jordan. Yeah. I couldn't go watch Bruce Lee movies when I was nine living in Detroit or whatever, but, but but then, you know, movies everywhere, TV shows, all that stuff. There's all this Kung Fu stuff going on. The Kung Fu uh, movie uh, television series was still on, like, you know, syndicated television. You know, so at 6 o'clock every night, you could watch Kung Fu. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and, you know, then all of a sudden, next thing you know, it's like Daniel LaRusso and The Karate Kid and all stuff. So all that stuff was there. And then the next thing you know... Across America, a Taekwondo school opens up in a strip mall near you. And yeah. I knew so many kids who took Taekwondo lessons when they were little kids. Yeah. I took Taekwondo before I start, started playing football. <laughs> you know, then that yeah. sort of supplanted my Taekwondo. And then uh, when I was in college, I went to a um, an amateur boxing club where I never was actually uh, uh, competing in the Golden Gloves or anything. Because as soon as I started doing anything, like doing actual sparring or anything in the boxing gym, yeah. I realized it's like... Like if I can't put like twice as much time into this or more, I cannot compete because see, this is too hard. See, right? So that's, <laughs> yeah. like, that's like the gateway to understanding yeah. uh, consequences <laughs> of what's going on. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. you're like, if you're at your job yeah. and you don't do your best, yeah. then you may not get a promotion. If you're embarking into fighting, <laughs> yeah, and you just aren't really, just really giving it your best or yeah. your all, yeah. then you just get punched yeah, in the face get, or you get hurt really hard. Yeah. You know, so so I realized that with my uh, school with the I was I was I was in college I was also doing music so I had I had a lot going on already and uh, I was working you know and all this stuff and I'm like I got time to hit this and let this be my gym instead of working out on the campus anymore. I'll go to this boxing club and I'll learn how to jump rope and wrap my hands and hit these bags and do the sparring and all stuff. Yeah. But I also learned that that I can't breathe after about three minutes of this. <laughs> and, and it's really scary when you can't breathe. And now this guy's trying to punch you. So it's incredible lessons that I learned and also just learned the basics of, right. It's of fist fighting American boxing style. Yeah. It's very I mean? different than like, God, I'm so tired. Yeah. I don't think I can get to that ball that might go <laughs> yeah, out of bounds yeah, yeah, if yeah. I don't get yeah, to no, it or no. something. This yeah. guy's got plenty of wind and he's going to punch you a lot. <laughs> so it's, it's a horrible feeling, but, but one that I've experienced many times so uh so i did that and then in nashville i did kung fu for a time northern mantis kung fu and we can talk about what that is and then now uh over the last about year and a half now i've been going to the ufc gym in hendersonville that's my home gym and uh uh up there we're, we do a variety of stuff i mostly just work out and hit the bags and kick and how punch far is and, that from your house elbow the bag it's 
I, because I live right off of Briley Parkway, yeah. I can get there in the morning going north when there's no traffic going that way. I get there in about 20 minutes. It's not oh. very far at all. It used to take me about 20 minutes to drive my truck all the way through the neighborhood down to climb Nashville, which that was, I was, I was going to the climbing gym for a time. I ended up with this diagnosis of like borderline yeah. high blood pressure and realized I had to get more cardio. Uh. And that's when I switched over and said, if I go to a fighting gym again, I'll, I'll do it because I love it so much and it's so much fucking fun. But then the next thing you know, you've, you've, you know, you're exhausted, your heart's going through your ears and you've got an amazing workout, but I won't, I'll get up and do that, but I won't get up and go running. (laughs) You know what I mean? I won't go running. I won't go do, there's a number of things I will not get out of bed for, for sure. But I'll get out of bed for that. You know what I mean? I'll go, I'll faithfully do that because it's so much fun and I enjoy it so much. And I do, um, like uh, kickboxing classes, MMA classes. I've done some Brazilian, like some no gi jujitsu, where you're grappling in a t-shirt. You know, yeah. So, uh, um, rash guard. I haven't done. I haven't done that much of that. Yeah, yeah. I haven't done as much of that just because I like the actual punching and kicking so much. Yeah, yeah. So it's that's kind of what I'm obsessed with. But anyway, so I have a bit of experience. I've never competed as a fighter in any real way outside of you know sparring with the headgear and giant gloves and everything else. You know specifically not trying to beat the fuck out of each other for right. the most part, you know, um, every now and then you get whacked, but it's, it's, you know, but nobody's trying to kill anybody. Um, uh, but, but we'll be talking to people who are doing this. Like, I feel like I've got some inroads into that world locally and perhaps even regionally yeah. where we can talk to people who are like your neighbor who lives next to you in Nashville is actually fighting for a middleweight championship at the fairgrounds next month. And yeah. you should check it out. You well, know? so like in my, in my, in my, in my sort of cursory time, you know, I'm have, I will say like I, I became a fan quickly and mm-hmm. then just stayed there. And uh-huh. I, I would consider myself like a like a hardcore MMA or UFC fan, not just UFC, but mostly UFC. Mm-hmm. I you know, and then I say like, oh, you know, but the, but then I know what hardcore fans think of as being like hardcore fans, and I'm right. not sure that I meet even that standard, which is insane because I spend a lot of time uh-huh. reading and watching and yeah. and taking in all of the nobody angles. Would, nobody would not say you're a hardcore fan. Well, but you know what I mean. Like, there's. The That's only, kind of what I was talking about, like, yeah. like the people that are the actual, almost like sort of historian level. Uh-huh. I, there's, there's super, there's definitely gaps in my knowledge. I, sure. think, it's, I think it's very interesting though, because that's been, I'm, I'm, that's the knock of what's going on yeah. right now with uh, GSP coming back. Is everybody yeah. saying, well, you know, so George St. Pierre, who's one of the most dominant fighters of all time, left the sport four years ago, is coming back and there's a lot to talk about there. It's about to happen day after tomorrow and it's, but it's the, pretty insane. But yeah. It's like Michael Jordan coming back from the grave, but is the game still the same? Right. And it's not only is the game still the same in terms of like, can he still play at near the top of this game now that he's older and we saw some decline before he left for four years. Mm-hmm. Nobody expects him to be able to do what he did at the height of his powers, but can he still keep up at all? But also the other thing that you just alluded to is the 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 recent contemporary popularity of the sport and the huge sale the 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 UFC uh, brand sold for four billion dollars a year ago is that right W one year W-N-I-N-G, ago yeah. yeah and so uh, uh, so it's you know it's never been bigger it's never been more popular and that said that's happened basically in the last basically in the time since George left George left and then right after that the sport took another quantum leap forward in terms of its popularity and now they bring this legend back to the fight 
And there's kind of like Conor McGregor happened. Yeah, exactly. Ronda Rousey happened. Right. And all these other yeah. things happened. And all these are, like, who that are, are uh, sort of massive earthquakes. Yeah. And people who are like, you know, diehard fans at this point, like they're going to buy the pay-per-view, but they're sort of like, and who's this George St. Pierre guy? And, yeah. So, and, yeah. And everybody in the media, the MMA media anyway, is sort of like, whoa. Yeah. Like, we didn't even know that was possible. Well, I think there's, like, <laughs> yeah. I think there's some the short term memory is so short term right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's almost like some kind of a dog year. There's an MMA fan leap year, dog year, some uh-huh. skipping of the record of time uh-huh. that I've been into it enough now to realize happens, mm-hmm. you know, where there's, you know, even just to look at Johnny Hendricks or fighters like that, where it's like that guy was the very confident champion not long ago and then yeah. now he's like this kind of shell of himself and hoping to rebuild himself and, right and and obviously the jackson camp but it's like well, how did that happen so fast yeah yeah i yeah. think i think it's like you say when you say the connor thing the ronda thing i think like you can also go back and say like you could go back and say like the um uh who am i thinking of um uh like the couture thing happened right you know and then the um this is sort of like us talking about surrealism yeah. and, and Dada. <laughs> yeah. Well, just talking about that, that there's these but eras yeah. that occur yeah. where it's like, you know, like you say, like like, the, like mixed martial arts essentially starts as a fucking circus where it's like, here's the giant against the midget. Like literally, I'm not supposed to say midget, I don't think, but the small person, whatever. Here's the, uh, here's the karate guy against the professional wrestler. Here's the, you know, all these different things that yeah. are just like freak fights is what we would call them, right? Yeah. Maybe we should delete this whole section. <laughs> but, anyway, but anyway, so you have these fights happen where you have these guys these you know completely different styles literally trying to impose a whole different style of fighting on another guy yeah and then it turns into more something like what we recognize as mixed martial arts fighting under the ufc where there's a set of rules that everybody's obeying but it's essentially free fighting and people have their strengths but we're all doing the same thing in this broad context or whatever and then you have this this sort of weight you know like sort of period where it's like we begin to discover that hey the wrestling guys have a certain amount of success the jujitsu guys are taking people out you know the karate guy is not doing well you know the boxing dude is tearing these guys apart so then it starts to become codified and people start to figure out what of all the possibilities, these are things that work. And then GSP. Yeah. And all of a sudden he just owns it with this combination of total uh, professional yeah. kickboxing to set up his wrestling. Essentially. He was the professionalization yeah. of yeah. that business. Super handsome, striking guy, yeah. you know, from Canada who's, I mean, very eloquent considering he's speaking English as a second language. You yeah. know, he has a cute accent. You know, yeah, people yeah, love yeah. this guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's, he's still a legend in Canada. Evidently there's, he has lost nothing in Canada according to the news I've been listening to. You know, he's as famous as he's ever been. Yeah. And he's someone that's not been some sort of golden child their whole life. Like, you know, he was somebody that came up, severely uh bullied and yeah. and felt you know i think he's still battling out his childhood right now honestly i mean i think that you know he's i think he's still reconciling some of those things in terms of like what's possessing him to come back and fight now and uh-huh. you know all that you know but i think that he was starting to see himself slip i think he knew mm-hmm. but anyway so <laughs> but but basically the the idea is that it's kind of like um it's kind of like thinking about styles or things that happen, say in, in sort of music or something. It, like, like, even if you're just talking about like audio engineering, kind of geekdom, you know, where it's like, okay, right. there's an era of time where there were in the eighties, there were, you know, gated drums. <laughs> I was just going to say SS- the gated drums. Yeah. Of the 80s like SSL the, the compression go-to. and, you know, yeah. all these things. And then, you know, and then there was the, that type of sound. And then, 
you know, all of a sudden everything had a subwoofer. So you got a sort of account for that and things got leaned into with, with bass and then people kind of backed off of bass and then people kind of came back on to bass and, you yeah. know, whatever, all these yeah. various sort of trends and movements. Sure, like, sure. Like, I, I really enjoy seeing how any art form in whatever way that it plays out, it's going to have these binding, uh, identifying aspects or aesthetics to it because it's something that has to be broadly distributed or communicated or bought into or whatever so that has to have a like okay that's a disco record i get it you know or whatever it is right yeah you know so i think it's really interesting to see uh you know so like early ufc would be sort of like you know spinal tap almost (laughs) that's pretty good that's pretty good (laughs) and then it turns into like what is the uh what is like I don't know. I mean, that's interesting. It'd be, we could spend some time on figuring breaking that out, down. Yeah. Figuring out what's what. Well, I think, you know? I, okay. So I think, uh, yeah, like, I think like the forest. So you were talking about how like you were, when you saw Forrest Griffin and Stefan Bonner fight, yeah, yeah. you know, ultimate fighter <laughs> championship, then the first ultimate <laughs> it's, fighter it's reality show. So right. I know. Right. It's so amazing how far it's gone. Um, so you, you know, and, and you didn't even necessarily get into the whole thing about how that fight was the fight of all fights, you know, the, the, the right. culmination of that reality series that made the UFC what it is. Yeah. Yeah, that was like the that was like the cherry on top of that whole experiment where the the whole thing just comes down to these two guys having this epic fight and it doesn't have to be it could be a total dud of a fight and it was these two guys fighting one of them is going to get a UFC contract and I think that really was the intention but at the end of it it was such a back and forth battle by these two guys who just I mean, went for it. If if you're somebody who does appreciate fighting and you haven't seen that fight, you got to see that fight. Yeah, so <laughs> just, yeah, if you just yeah, YouTube uh, yeah. Ultimate Fighter One Bonner Bonner Griffin. yeah championship yeah. whatever yeah, and but it's it's, like, it's unbelievable. Oh, yeah. And at the end of it, they uh, I think one of them is the winner, but then I think it's does Griffin win? They they afforded but they or, give both they of them a contract. Him a contract anyway. Yeah, yeah. They, whoever lost the fight still got no a contract. one lost. No nobody lost at all. They just gave it was it was both like, it was a win draw. Oh, was it? Is that what it was? In the sense that, well, I mean, people yeah. lost, you know. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah. But in terms of the prizes, they, yeah. they said, hey, guess what? There's no way we're going to let this guy walk out of here without a contract. Yeah. Of course, you're both getting a contract. Well, and that's like, a, that's an early indicator, too, of like what the UFC was doing at the time, which is just leaning into what was the right thing to do to to please the, the fans. Yeah. You know, and in a way that was... Uh, yeah, they were pretty good about meritocracy, but they were good about putting on a show. And now they're not so balanced in that. Yeah, no, I just, it just feels like there's like it just feels like there's things that are just like like all these great opportunities for promoting. Like here we are. Uh, it's what's the, so it's the second of November when we're recording this, and there's going to be on Saturday night the fourth. There's going to be the UFC two seventeen at uh, Madison Square Garden. Yep. Three title fights and a great card in general unbelievable um uh but but there's also these there's all these amazing stories uh a woman named joanna janjacek uh joanna champion if you have trouble pronouncing her last name as i'm sure i just did completely wrong yeah but no, she I think actually you were pretty yeah, close uh straw weight champion okay so that's what 115 she's a tiny you know person these these there's a very small division for little little ladies who just pound on each other and so joanna is gonna is an amazing fighter nails. one of the greatest fighters i've ever seen in my life for sure absolutely already in the discussion of the best female fighters of all time in any sport and um, she's fighting a, a woman named Rose Namunis, who I also love and think is a great fighter. Yeah. Um, but um, uh, but I, I, anyway, but but Joanna, uh, uh, if she defends her title this time, I believe it'll be seven defenses, and that will tie Ronda Rousey. Is that correct? 
I think so. I think that's right. So it's like a historic fight where she's knocking on the door of history, man. And I mean, right there, she's knocking on the fucking door of history and nobody's talking about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, I just wrote it for you. That's It's not that hard. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. Know? It's she's like, knocking yeah, on the door of history. When somebody's you know? just... Uh, to see the the okay just like in the same way that you could see a band or a painting or something where you're like man they just they just struck this amazing balance between just sort of a visceral sort of work and also just an incredibly poetic and nuanced you know like when you, when you see four supplied with nuance yeah in any medium i think it's really impressive to be able to show those kind of uh um, abilities or ways of reconciling almost uh, opposite energies. Uh, but watching uh, join a fight, it's like on it's if, if you're, if you're just a person that even just does like dancing or something, it doesn't matter. Like just watch this person's feet and what they're just her feet. If you don't like the punching, don't look at it. Just yeah. watch, just like put tape on your, just, yeah, just watch their feet. It's, it's so insane yeah. to see what kind of choreography is happening. That is yeah, not yeah. for the sake of, of some sort of show. It's actually, it's not even predetermined. It's being written in front of you and it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And so, and she's just such a, an incredible striker. Um, so efficient, so straight ahead. Yeah. no, you know, she's got a lot of crazy sort of angles and elbows and just all kinds of stuff going on. And then she's got this, her personality is so great because she can, she can be so sort of disarming and charming and yeah, just precious sure. and sort of cute yeah. in this very sort of uh, friendly and just humble kind yeah. of way. I that, would say friendly and humble yeah. are like two words I would definitely give to and, her personality in the best possible and way. And then you'd love to like have her as a neighbor. Cause she's like, <laughs> like clearly the nicest person in the world totally. will do anything yeah. if yeah. it would be helpful. You know right. what I mean? <laughs> and, and, and at the same time, she is one of the best shit talkers yeah. and shit stirrers and promotion machines yeah 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 and and no big time something about I hope that she having the right balance of, of accent and yeah. English if right. you can have like 50% right. accent 50% English right. it's just so powerful it's yeah. so good she's one of so her awesome. one of her problems is that she's from Poland so she speaks Polish first uh, but she's quite good at speaking English yeah. and she also um, uh, has you know her last name is you know very very hard to deal with for Americans because it's full of consonants and it's, it's hard to say <laughs> her last name is spelled J-E-D-R-Z-E-J-C-Z-Y-K and it's like Zhejcik or something like that yeah Yun yeah. yeah I think you're right it's more of a Y yeah I think that's good that's pretty close Yun yeah. Okay. yeah I think that's I think she'd be happy if we said it like that Okay. <laughs> but she she encourages people just to call her champion which is awesome yeah. Yeah, you <laughs> don't have like, to know how to say you don't have to know my name just call me champion <laughs> that's a, like which that's like one of the first things I ever heard her say and I'm like this girl is awesome and then she's fighting Rose Noah Yunus yeah. who I've been fighting or I'm sorry I've been following since amateur days of, of her fights and just you could see that coming right away, yeah. And so, and she's just an incredibly, again, very, very humble, very sensitive, very empathetic, yeah, very deep feeling person that yeah. has a lot of history that is tough and is so um, inspirational to see because she's she's it's not like she's one of these people where she's an inspiration because she's already well out of the woods and and you know, let me tell you what I've learned kind of thing about whatever life, right? No, she's in it. 
yeah. all the time and she's working through it all yeah. the time on yeah, this sort yeah. of continuum. And so I really, that's what I like. That's yeah. what I enjoy most about observing her progress and sort of what, what she's been doing. I think progress is the word I would think of too, because to me outside of Joanna, she's the one that you see just like fight to fight. It's like, Holy shit. Like this is like a whole other level, you know? And then the last fight she had was like the, the, I mean, she was just destroyed. Was it Michelle Watterson was the last fight, yeah. right? So crazy. I mean, she took some shots. I mean, she got hit, but at the same time, I mean, when it was all said and done, it, it felt very much, once it was over, it felt like it was just a matter of time. So you know, what, you know what I mean? Yeah. So and, you know, what, so you know what's weird is that yeah. that there's probably a lot of people that, are, even if they're able to cross the bridge of being okay to listen or to uh, engage in watching fights, there's a whole other level for people with uh, watching women fight. Yeah, there can be, and I think that that's a very interesting uh, thing yeah. because you know here we are, just like you and I are just. We're we're going seamlessly between male and right. female competitors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I don't even, I don't even think twice about it. And uh, but, but at the same time, either. it's it's really you important. Better people. than a lot of the dudes. I like. <laughs> yeah. But it's also really interesting to know that like honest. this is still so recent. They still haven't even fleshed out these real these divisions fully, yeah. and and so women well, being in is just a few years, right? And 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 uh, you know, UFC has the what the the first openly gay. Uh, female champion, champion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, whatever. All these things. It's like, yeah. it's such an interesting thing that people think of it as like almost like kind of conservative tented blood sport in some way. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or kind of bro it's, culture but it's stuff. Throw on it. It's totally tolerational. Oh my god. It's, yeah. Well, it's interesting yeah. too because it's it's actually there's more tolerance and, and humanity happening I think in mixed martial arts than anywhere else. At the same time, yeah, there's some of the lowest of the low, yeah, and some of the just absurd, idiotic yeah. remarks that people make or sure. slurs or whatever. Sure, people sure, at the top sure. of the game, even Conor McGregor, just recently yeah. apologizing for using a homophobic slur. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and you know that's a separate thing to sort of go. Okay, let's pick apart like what what are people really worked up about? Yeah. Okay, what is this thing? Because you know, there's such a gotcha kind of culture right. and all these things, but. Uh, but in the case of this, I just think it's very interesting that, that the fighting game has some of the most liberal, yeah. uh, progressive uh, things manifesting in, in it. Oh, for sure. Uh, There's nothing more diverse than what you I mean. I guess maybe soccer, <laughs> you yeah. know, but in terms of like, but see, there's something different about team. And I'm not trying to make a case for it. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm yeah. just saying, I just think it's, it's no, yeah. no, it's one of the things that's most fascinating. Yeah, exactly. That, that really, it's a, it's a picture of a world culture of fighting. You know what I mean? And that's really one of the things that, that's why mixed martial arts is so important. We, at some point I'm sure we'll get into some, we'll talk about Bruce Lee every now and then, but really Bruce Lee, even though he's this big movie star and this fight choreographer and this director and all this stuff, his, his real thing, if you don't already know this, and if you just needed reminding was that he came up with a whole philosophy out of Kung Fu, which was, you know, his traditional martial art that he grew up with and taught. He came up with a whole philosophy, Jeet Kune Do, the way of the intercepting fist. And, uh, uh and basically, I think I had ramen there once. <laughs> yeah. That's oh, it makes me hungry. But, um, uh, um, uh, uh, I'll have the Enter the Dragon role. <laughs> so uh, so uh, at some point, he uh, he puts out this philosophy, and and basically a part of the philosophy is let's get rid of all these demarcations between all these different styles and all these different schools of of martial arts, which were deeply entrenched in history and heritage. And my master's better than your master, and all that. I mean, tribalism every, and yeah, which totally. ends up being reductive to the yeah, art. Yeah, and yeah. we're the best, and this is the best. And Bruce Lee said, "I want to be a better fighter." 
and I'll use any technique from any discipline from any time period if it'll make me a better fighter and I don't care it was totally irreverent which was beautiful fucking punk rock shit and it's why really you know pretty much in general mixed martial arts culture 100% looks at Bruce Lee as like a godfather a forebear the guy who got the idea out there that like fuck all these traditional martial arts don't fuck them because they're terrible but forget the dogma and the religiosity here Yeah, we're talking about fighting I don't care about the fucking lineage well, the, well, and, that's, and really what is that that's like a search for an answer yeah. or embarking on the willing endless exploration of searching for sort of the answer yeah. that you're never really going to get yeah. but it's as pure of a pursuit of it mm-hmm. I think that you can come up with yeah and I think you know the people you know the head of this family that's you know 10 black belts deep that have been teaching this tradition of kung fu for generations they think they have the answer <laughs> you know yeah. and so does every other yahoo right. out there you know what i mean and bruce lee's kind of saying actually none of you have the answer and i'm going to go mm-hmm. ahead and own that truth yeah. and i'm going to go ahead and find a better answer and i think i need to break all these rules to do it so that's what i'm going to do that. right meanwhile you know? meanwhile the genesis of the usc being really uh uh gracie uh having these sort of uh you know, fights at his gym. You know, right? Yeah, He's been yeah. like, "Come over. I don't care what you, what, <laughs> yeah. what your whole deal is. Yeah, come on over. Hey, I'll, huge uh, dude. Uh, yeah. Oh, you're a street fighter. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. I will also take you down and choke you. <laughs> <laughs> you so, know. So yeah. it's just it's a crazy thing. But that's that's you know that by the time I was seeing the first you know the Ultimate Fighter show. I understood that there was already this this thing in martial arts where it was like, which style is better? Will we ever know? Yeah. And, and that's one of the things that got me into the, the MMA world once I saw that it was a thing that was trying to happen. I was like... They're gonna fucking. They're gonna figure this out. They're gonna figure this shit out. Right. And I was like, "This is fucking fascinating. I can't believe I'm gonna see them try to do this." Yeah, you know? it's a it's a, it's it's a still, lab. Yeah, and it's still fascinating. And and also too, I think at this point, what we've realized is the answer changes over time. Like you know, certain thing. You know, these these things. This beat that. That beat this. And then after a little while, it's like. I'm going to do these three things and that'll pretty much cover all my bases. Right. And then that turns into, if I emphasize this, that guy won't know what to do with this, yeah. you know? And it, and now we see that. Or just being like, I'm going all in on one thing. And my name is Damien Maya. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's that too. Yeah. See, that's crazy. Is like, right Who, by the way, showed some yeah. nice striking before he got it, killed. I couldn't believe yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I could, I tweeted something bad for him. I was like, I couldn't believe it. I was watching. I mean, it was, it was, it was almost, I mean, because he didn't, because the striking didn't get him where he needed to go as much, I would say that I wasn't as impressed by it. But it being Damien Maya, I should have been even more impressed. But, okay, this is an insane <laughs> sense, but it reminded me of the same feeling I had when, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, who's the guy, uh, the wrestler uh, the, who lost his gold medal in the fire? <laughs> uh, Cejudo. Oh yeah, and yeah, Cejudo's yeah. last Cejudo, fight. Yeah. This this fighter who's a bantamweight. That's a crazy story, by the way. The yeah, guy, okay. yeah, he was he in lost a hotel his fire. Yeah, he was in a hotel fire in yeah. Northern California, right? Like, tried to jump out the window. Yeah, yeah, and he like, and he like had, run around yeah. and try to find help or yeah, whatever. And yeah. He had a uh, he's a gold medal wrestler, right? So uh, Olympic wrestler. So that's his his big thing in the MMA is putting you know different skills on top of this base of world class wrestling that he has. 
Anyway, that said, you're not ready for Henry Cejudo to just start taking dudes out with punches. But the last fight he had, I don't remember who it was against, but all of a sudden, Henry Cejudo is just like, pa 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 And I'm just like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. Crazy evolution from that guy. Like, totally. I'm completely interested in Henry Cejudo now, like in a level yeah. that I wasn't before. Not that I, I love the wrestling, but... But I'd like I like seeing all of it. I see more one, than probably that. one more of him yeah. doing that same thing, and then he'll be right there. I guess. Here's the thing: he just looked good. He looked yeah. good doing it, and Solid. I want to see him do it even better. So it's yeah. fascinating. To, but it's that's one thing I love about this too is like it is such a young sport, even for the men still, and and certainly for the women. And it's like you're just I mean every every month I'm watching shit happen that I never would have thought I would see. Yeah. You know, I think of things that I've seen in the last couple of years and it's just like, that was insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and it really, you know, it, remember that? That was crazy. And it's, you know, well, and here's the thing. It's not, it's not devoid of, I mean, I am not objectively watching mixed martial arts. I have favorites. I have people that sure. I believe represent yeah. the, the the good and the righteous or something about it. Or yeah. I just enjoy a good spoiler or whatever it is. Right. And it definitely is. There's people I don't like and I want to see them lose. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so, like, it's not, you know, it's really funny to see. I mean, I've, I've definitely seen a lot of people get, uh, you know, turned on to it and then, it's interesting to see like where people gravitate in terms of like what, what they're into. Right. But like for me, one of the biggest things too was actually not even watching UFC, but going, there was a local promotion that was running, not re- regional promotion uh, called the XFC that ran for a good while um, that had like some ex UFC people and, you know, some rising stars and this kind of thing, but it wasn't like a, a major promotion, Yeah, uh, but it was definitely, you know, uh, not terrible. Uh, they was this just the fairgrounds. No, this is um they they would do it at, uh when they came to Nashville at least it was municipal auditorium but this is oh. they did you know this was like a, they were in the southeast mostly and then okay. they got some sort of a deal in Brazil or somewhere and then kind of just jetted from their whole sort of circuit that they were doing and kind of building momentum in and then went to Brazil I think tied to some sort of a you know sort of TV thing or I don't know like so maybe they were like I don't even know what they are anymore I need to go look but, yeah. but I reached out to them because I saw that they were coming to Nashville and I was like like man I would be really interested in photographing that like yeah. as a way honestly just to go get close to the fights sure. to see what's going on because exactly. I'm just curious at this point yeah. and uh, and so I went and uh, it was it was amazing mm-hmm. I mean it was when you see it live for the first time mm-hmm. and if you see it up close, especially not because of like gore or any of this kind of like horror, like I don't, I'm squeamish. I don't like, yeah. Like I don't like blood at all. I don't like, yeah. Like, you know, yeah. all that kind of thing, but to be close to it and to see the good, the bad, the ugly, but to yeah. really just and to hear it. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and just have a sense of, well, and also just all the the subtle nuance things that happens, you know, where you can hear each corner talking, and yeah, and where you kind of, I don't know, just being in person and seeing it electric right in front of you, it was like whoa, yeah. Uh, and at that time, this is when Nick Newell was on the rise. Mm-hmm. And are you familiar with Nick uh-uh. Newell? Okay, so you've got, I think you know who he is. You just not remember the name, but basically, he's the congenital amputee. Oh yeah, yeah, wrestler, right? Yeah. So this guy has essentially no arm from his elbow down on one one of his arms, and I watched him. But he's a wrestler at, at his core. That's right. his core set of skills. But he's a great striker uh-huh. uh, and you know great grappler. Uh, but I went and saw him fight, and it was just 
it was the craziest thing because somebody had him in a choke uh, and almost got him out, but he, some, it was one of those, you know, just Stephen miraculous. Thompson moment. Yeah, we were like, oh my God, I cannot believe yeah. this guy got out of that. He was oh, down he, there for like yeah. a minute fighting oh, that off. Man. And he's only, for hand fighting and things, which we don't have to get into, but for fighting the choke with his hands. Right, he's, he's got, got one, got one, yeah. one hand to sort of try to grab the other. So, yeah, um, to pull the other guy's hands away from his neck <laughs> so he's not getting choked up by the guy's arms. Yeah, so I ended up seeing his neck several fights. And then he ended was up. He in a, was it a guillotine choke? It was like a rear naked choke. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, That's tough, man. Yeah. So, <laughs> so here's the thing, though, is I saw him choke. Like, he, he was choking people out. And then I saw him get all the way to the, uh, the championship, and I saw him win against a, uh, a really good. Uh, former UFC fighter that I can't remember the name of Eric um, can't remember his name now but uh, but a good fighter uh-huh. and, and a guy with 1.5 arms uh, beat, beat this guy wow. and it's like one of the most courageous and captivating human stories that I'd ever seen because the, 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 what this guy was going up against as far as just people people were going so far like, as he as he got better and better and just never lost a fight, he was undefeated, undefeated, undefeated. It actually got to the point where people were accusing him of having a, an advantage for having. <laughs> and so he would wow, say like, such a weird social science right? problem. <laughs> right. Exactly. Wow. And he would, he would say to people, you know, um, you need, if, if you think that, I, that this is a competitive advantage, then I invite you to cut your arm off at this, yeah. at this part right here. And then, you know, yeah. let's see what happens. That's weird. It reminds me of, you know, like talking earlier about creative writing and all this stuff that this story, when you just said like, let me like cut your arm off and let's see, it, see how good it makes you or whatever. Reminds me of when I was in college, a guy wrote a story one time about, about like a, you know, near future where uh, it was a fashion was to like chop a limb off was like fashionable. Oh, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Kind of a punk rock story is good. <laughs> so it's not real. No, no, no. <laughs> not yet. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's. I think we're past the his near future at this point. So hopefully that'll that that trend won't happen. Well, I, but you know, it's just sort of take the self mutilation thing to the next level. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> well, and yeah, and I. I, I, I <laughs> Yeah, I think that um, so w- when you talk about all like I think with any sport or anything I think that and, or whether it's following particular artists or bands or movements or fiction or whatever it is I don't know if you, if you just if you understand the context of where people come from with the creators themselves or you know the artists themselves like when, when you understand their context where they come from why they did what they did, you know, what the, how their experience led them through all that. When you get that context, it just lends so much meaning uh, to what people do. And I think that that's, if you're really good at doing that in the creative realm, because all of us have researched and, you know, whatever, gone down the, I, I don't know, it's like I'm in a Franz Klein wormhole for the next three weeks or whatever, you know, like I just can't get out of this thing. When if you attribute that or or function that towards fighters and people that are competitive competitive uh, combatants or combat sports people, it's it's uh it's kind of an irresistible sort of human struggle story uh, situation and the guts that these people have, yeah. you know, like 
I think about what you know. What is stage fright? Oh, I have stage fright. Like I, I might forget my lines or something. Right. Like give me a fucking. Uh, will I remember that break. A minor chord in the bridge? Right. Like, <laughs> who the fuck cares? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one cares. Yeah. You know what's gonna what's gonna matter is if you're not on your A game in a in a in an actual fight. Yeah, no doubt. And so there's some to me. I'm convinced that there's just a there's a level of attenuation, yeah, and focus and flow state and all of yeah. these things. There's something to there's some un, uh, sort of a current with that that is undeniably next level, yeah. You know, and 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 then you're for, like, I can't wait to like really get into longer form conversations with people that actually are competing right now because yeah uh me too while i've talked to a lot of them about various things or you know like i've i've talked at length with um i'll tell you who's a really interesting fighter as a person is uh heather clark she's uh you know female 135 uh here in town no ufc oh okay she she trained out of jackson's for a long time okay uh i don't think she's there she's in vegas now i don't uh, I I, her name sounds familiar, but I'm also thinking of Heather Hardy in Bellator. No, certainly, yeah, yeah totally. With poor Heather Hardy, <laughs> got a nice she's welcoming. Back. She's coming back. <laughs> oh, she man. won her first fight. She did good in her first fight. Okay, here's the thing: <laughs> all this talking that we've done. If you're a person that's like, okay, maybe I, I've listened to enough of these guys talk. I will look at something mixed martial arts related and try to look at it more objectively as an art form. <laughs> don't, like, don't, Jesus Christ. <laughs> don't, don't watch Heather Hardy's last fight because it, it, here's the thing we were talking about. Like, like, you know, I brought up this sort of female men, uh, you know, like it's totally, um, a really, uh, established and wonderful thing. And it's going very well. And I think that there's total respect there at the same time. It's, it, you when you see a woman fight and it's an especially punishing fight yeah at the hands of obviously another woman yeah um it's a little harder yeah to watch but it's so frustrating because honestly i like watching women fight think, more than yeah. men i think they're more strategic i think they're more interesting i think that they, the, the the good ones are are very interesting to watch and it goes yeah. kind of back to what i was saying earlier is like i just i've always preferred smaller fighters because yeah. they're they're inevitably more active fighters more dynamic fighters it's better to watch they're better fighters yeah because if, you're, if can, you were watching a soccer game yeah, and everybody was a football I, player yeah, you'd the, be like this is too the slow. last thing i want to see is the huge guy knock the other huge guy out i mean honestly i don't i'm almost not interested in that yeah. i want to see the two medium-sized people fucking Create a fucking sounds like you're very just like incredible fucking just so you just know tapestry you are a medium size you are a, you are a medium sized person maybe so I'm, I think, I'm size biased <laughs> you're sizest I'm a sizest yeah no, I, but but yeah once I'm like I'm like 175 I think is what I was today. so what would your fighting weight so if I fought I would probably go to like 155 or something wouldn't I wouldn't I drop yeah. all that weight I mean that's insane yeah. I think I would be one of those guys who's just like no nah, I'm good no like not no, <laughs> I'm no, good wait. I'm just gonna I'll, I'll, I'll drop Weight cutting to, is a massive problem. You don't need yeah. to contribute to it anymore. I go down to one seventy and call it a day, and that fights some massive dude. What's crazy is <laughs> like, like actually like one ninety. You, you, like, you could be fighting one fifty five, and you'd be yeah. sitting here like say you were two days out from a fight. You're yeah, like, I got you it, imagine? no problem. Yeah, I'm fighting like Tony Ferguson. Yeah, <laughs> some Epsom <laughs> salt in the sauna. Forget it. Forget it. Yeah, the weight cut wouldn't be that hard. I could pull off the weight cut pretty easy because <laughs> I think I think I could I think I could even go down a little bit. I'd like to be even a little bit lower than it. That's one of my health goals. Is just like I like I was mentioning 
mentioning earlier about like uh, that the thing that prompted me to get back into like doing martial arts stuff again was because yeah. I knew it would give me cardio yeah. and that would help me with my borderline blood pressure. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, I have a long-term goal of like, is there a way that I could team up with like, like a gym and like the heart association or something like that. And like, if I had, I mean, if for some reason people knew more about who I was and were interested in what I might have to say about this subject, then you would connect all these dots and then talk about specifically why martial arts is the thing you should be doing to have a healthier cardiovascular system. Yeah. Because not only are you getting this amazing cardio workout, but you're also when you do this stuff, especially like when you're doing the sparring and things like that, but even just punching stuff, it's, I'm telling you, man, I go do my 10 rounds in the morning and I'm walking out to the car and all the things that I might've been thinking out, I'm uh, thinking about on my way out to the truck in the Gone. morning. Now I'm driving home and I'm really looking at the rest of my day and I'm kind of like, there's two things I really got to do. And all the rest of this stuff is not the end of the fucking world. Like you can just send that, send that email, write these two pages, da da da. It's none of this is, you know, cause like there's your perspective on things can just get so skewed and everything feels like it's an emergency or something. Oh yeah. And then you go punch stuff or fight with somebody for a little while. And then all of a sudden you're like, you just realize the difference between, blocking that kick to your jaw (laughs) and whether or not I'm going to come up with a good idea for this story. It's like, Oh, you'll come up with a fine idea for that story. (laughs) That's not going to be a big problem at all. That's the least of your worries. You know what I'm saying? So there's something about you. You put yourself in this situation. That's so much more challenging and so much more not. I mean, I, like I say, everything we do at the gym and stuff, it's very safe. I mean, I've never been hurt there in any significant way ever. Um, uh, except for like bruising up my leg from kicking the bag too much or something. Mm. And that even that stops after a time, but, but you, um, uh, but nonetheless, you know, the problem is the same and a lot of the adrenaline and the, t- the tension is the same. The exhaustion is for real. Mm. You know what I mean? And that, that's a lot of it. It's like, once you're exhausted, you don't have the energy to worry about all this stuff anymore. Yeah. You know, that's a huge part of it. I think for me, I got a lot of energy, man, and it helps to just burn a lot of it off first thing in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> well, I th- I, yeah. For me, I think, um, even if you, you know, obviously working out in the morning, better, being kicked in the jaw in the morning mm-hmm. not as good I usually get um, kicked on Thursday <laughs> <laughs> but 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 I think about like for me I, I just I get up extra early to make sure that I do things that I love doing great idea and make sure that I have time to spend at least an hour or two doing the thing something that I love doing yeah. with no um like utilizing my freshest morning mind. So smart. And just when you're most creative too, I think. Well, yeah, it helps in that way, but it's also like as your day gets hijacked and things happen and then all of a sudden, Oh, now I got a flat tire and then now I'm at the tire shop and then now, Oh, how are we going to get the chicken to get to the house to the whatever? And then we need to cook the whatever. Right. Just even just the most basic fundamental, just getting through days, not even necessarily particularly stressful things, but it's just the stuff you got to do all day. Yeah. Now it's night and now you got to get ready for the next day. (laughs) Right. So, so to me, like what I think this, my fundamental source of any anxiety, I, if I get anxiety, it's because I'm not, 
and this goes back to kind of what we were talking about in the very beginning, which is like uh, just iterations and production and being productive yeah. and, and being able to sort of formulate patterns or insights from repeatedly doing the right. work. Yeah. And so for me, it's, 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 it at least assures that I've got another iteration of right. applying myself towards the universe in a creative way. Yeah, And totally. it something that I love that's not about a due date necessarily or right. anything. And then, and if I can, it does, so it doesn't even matter I'm what that is. I'm doing my work. I'm doing it. Just, yeah, because then it's like, man my anxiety level is so much less later in the day when things don't go as planned. Yeah. And maybe I even wanted to spend more time doing that thing. At least I got, yeah, you know, before the day could get taken away from me or yeah, something, no you know, I think another thing that, uh, that's good about that. I, I used to start my day off. Like, like basically I would, this one, I used to live down by, uh, by the original Bongo Java down on Belmont. I would get up in the morning and goddamn, nearly every morning, who knows how much I spent on bagels and, and uh, coffee in the late 90s. <laughs> but, uh, but I would walk, to, I would go down there, I would get a bagel with, uh, what kind of bagel? I'd get a poppy seed bagel with jam and butter. And then I would get a cup of coffee. Um, and I think they always had like free refills there anyway. Um, and then I would sit down with my journal and I would basically spend an hour there just writing whatever the fuck I might write again, yeah. back to that whole concept. Of, yeah. I'm just, this is how this works. I almost never have an idea and I just start writing yeah. and then I generate ideas out of that, you know, or I get a cool line or two and now I've got it forever. As long as I don't lose this journal, whatever, but yeah. I'm going to do that. And the other thing I found that was, I found that like you were, if when you're in that state of just like create a bunch of stuff, and worry about what it is later. I think the morning is a great time for that because your editor is like asleep too long. Yeah. But your creative part is ready to go. Yeah. But you're not you're not thinking clearly enough to think smart yet, and it's good because yeah. you don't want to be too smart too soon. Childlike. It's <laughs> yeah. very childlike. Yeah, it is. It's total white belt mind. I don't know anything. Yeah. There are no rules. Yeah. What am I even doing here? And is then, this a letter? And then, <laughs> you know. And then once you've had a half cup of coffee, yeah. you're like, this is bullshit. You're a fucking imposter. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the other thing is. To say is that drivel you, when you do that then by 11 12 1 when suddenly now everybody else's agenda might be impeding yours here's the thing you you started off the day telling yourself i am this this is who i am you know what i mean mm -hmm. and i think it's very very powerful for anybody out there who's doing your creative thing or doing whatever it is you're doing try to like first thing in the day try to have the time to be able to put yourself in that place and then you walk away and deal with the rest of your day. But you're a fucking artist. You know what I mean? That's yeah. who you are. Yeah. And th that guy just got up to drive to his insurance uh, building because he sells insurance. And that lady's getting up. He's and an she's, insurance artist. Yeah, exactly. And she's driving to the university because she's a teacher. But you're getting up in the morning and you're going to work on that drawing because that's who you are. Even if you have to go wait tables later or, you know, go to your office job later. Which or is how you have, which is all the experience of which you need to breed any kind of authenticity to lend into anything. Thing you would actually ever do with meaning anyway yeah 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 and this is the thing yeah. we were talking about earlier is i feel like you know when it comes to like who's a real artist it's like the person who's doing that because they usually wouldn't have they'd be they'd be they'd be tearing at the walls <laughs> to make sure they were doing that or they're not supposed to be doing it frankly well <laughs> so um yeah. so i think that uh this is a good place to sort of wrap it up because i think that we actually kind of brought it home a little bit. Maybe we're yeah, good at this. Bring it home. Maybe we totally know what we're doing and we're really, you know, uh, right. expertly mapping this out. If knowing is not knowing, we already know a lot because <laughs> I don't know anything that we're doing. <laughs> so, so do, um, so next, next time we're going to have, um, a guest 
and we can't tell you who that is yeah, yet. Yeah, yeah. And we're not being coy. We just don't know who the hell it is. Why don't you, uh, ideas. do you want to give out some information about where they can find, is there going to be a Facebook page and all that stuff soon? And- so there's a, there is a Facebook page. It's not, it's going to be very lean. Okay. Basically we're just okay. going to publish this thing out. We're not doing anything live yet. Yeah. I think we might get to that point. Yeah. Um, but for right now it's, it'd be great if we can just record this and then it actually, right. Baby uh, steps. Y'all happens. Uh, and then, um, I mean, it's a great setup though. Yeah. Oh, no, by the way, hey, that, that Cannonball Adderley record, that is a special record. You need to understand. The Black Messiah. The Black Messiah. It's a live record. Mm. But here's what's special about that record. That is from Jay Dilla's personal record collection. Oh, yeah. I and see the Certificate of Authenticity. That's right. It came from his... Uh, they auctioned all this stuff that was left in a storage garage. But anyway. Oh, man. Uh, Jay Dilla. <laughs> we'll get there. Anyway. We'll get there. We'll get there. So... um all right, so what was your question? I'm just saying, let's, let's give them some information <laughs> oh, about where they can oh, oh. find you, where they can find me, where they can okay, find the podcast so, and all that stuff. Uh, you, seem, you seem to know where you can be found. I know I can be found. Like Brian and I talk about the fights a lot on Twitter, and I'm I'm at Mighty Joe Nolan on Twitter. Oh yeah. And uh, are you going to use at Brian? I'm at at those drones. At those drones. Okay. Yeah. Um. Uh. And um. I guess for now that that's good enough because that's usually where we talk about the fights online. Yeah. I mean, so here's the thing. Like, it's it's the Art Fight Club podcast. That's what we're doing here. That's what we're calling it. Art Fight Club. Yeah. It's it's, <laughs> it's uh. I almost had a very bad joke anyway all right so art fight club podcast is we have a website we have nothing else and we don't care we're just going to publish it it'll be on itunes it'll be in places you'll find it but if you want to like latch on to something that you can follow the only thing we have that's concrete right now is the facebook page so and what is that facebook.com slash i don't remember man podcast they can just look up art fight no it's it's yeah art is it's you know what? I don't even know, dude. This is Listen. the see. This is this is why we can't have nice things, Brian. No, we can't plenty keep track of, of our Facebook page. <laughs> it's facebook.com <laughs> forward slash Art Fight Club Podcast. Art Fight Club Podcast. I keep leaving off the club part. Art Fight Podcast. Well, we can, <laughs> we can change it. I like uh, the club. It sounds like we're. It sounds like a place to meet. Yeah. Every week, meet us here. Talk about creativity and combat. Yeah. He doesn't want to talk about this. This is so amazing. I'm so happy we're doing this. Right, because the only... Yeah, constructive uh, fighting as opposed to um, all the non-productive fighting that goes on yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Especially on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe just follow us on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So next week, I think it'll be next week. Or sometime soon. Hopefully next week we'll start having guests. We've we, we're yeah. basically we've got a new calendar we just put together. Uh, like I said earlier, I made contact with a whole bunch of people that I didn't already know about who can sort of talk about both these things in Nashville. Um, if you are local in Nashville and you're interested in fighting and combat uh, and creativity and all that stuff, then um, you know get news to us on that Facebook page or something. Send us a message and uh, oh yeah, we have a, to talk to you about there is an email also. Oh yeah, it's this is gonna be really hard to remember. Art Fight Club Podcast at gmail.com. Art Fight 
club podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, trying to keep it yeah. simple. So yeah, message us there. Art fight podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> no, no, no. Art fight club. Art fight club podcast. podcast. <laughs> Art fight club podcast. Art fight club podcast. So please send gmail. your suggestions for how to name yeah, this. Yeah, if you know somebody or if you, or if you or if you want to talk about art and fighting or fighting in art or just one or the other and then you're not opposed to speaking on things you don't know about. I mean, I'm I'm very serious. Like I think it's it's gonna be interesting to have you know, art reasonable artists who are willing to talk about what they're doing it's with gonna their be awesome, practice, it's gonna be awesome. but Thank who you. also are interested in yeah. learning a little bit about like, uh, uh, you know, uh, major hip toss uh, yeah. and how that can lead to uh, a 12 to six elbow. Yeah. <laughs> Not what you want. Also a disqualifying elbow. Um, all right. So we'll wrap this up next time. Joe, you here. Just cheers this tequila. Cheers. One time. Oh God. It's a big, I already drank my it's tequila. It's a big table. Okay. Okay, good. Okay. All right. We need like a sign-off line. We'll come up with a good sign-off line for next week. Um, I'll see you in just a second. Okay, bye. <laughs> Later. Later.